Did I ever tell you how lucky you are? By Dr. Seuss. When I was quite young and quite small for my size, I met an old man in the desert of Dries, and he sang me a song I will never forget. At least, well, I haven't forgotten it yet. He sat in a terribly prickly place, but he sang with a sunny, sweet smile on his face. When you think things are bad, when you feel sour and blue, when you start to get mad, you should do what I do. Just tell yourself, Ducky, you're really quite lucky. Some people are much more, oh, ever so much more, oh, muchly, much, much more unlucky than you. Be glad that you don't work on the Bunglebung Bridge that they're building across Booper Bay at Bum Ridge. It's a troublesome world. All the people who are in it are troubled with troubles almost every minute. You ought to be thankful, a whole heaping lot, for the places and people you're lucky you're not. Just suppose, for example, you lived in Gazette and got caught in that traffic on Zate Highway 8. Or suppose, just for instance, you lived in Gazare with your bedroom up here and your bathroom up there. Suppose, just suppose, you were poor Herbie Hart who has taken his thrombimbulator apart. He never will get it together, I'm sure. He never will know if the gick or the goor fits into the scrux or the snucks or the snoor. Yes, Ducky, you're lucky that not Herbie Hart, who has taken his thrombimbulator apart. Think they work you too hard? Think of poor Ali Sard. He has to mow grass in his uncle's backyard, and it's quick-growing grass, and it grows as he mows it. The faster he mows it, the faster he grows it. And all that his stingy old uncle will pay for shoving that mower around in that hay is the piffulous pay of two duclas a day. And Allie can't live on such piffulous pay. So he has to paint flagpoles on Sundays and grooves. How lucky you are you don't live in his shoes. And poor Mr. Bix, every morning at six, poor Mr. Bix has his borfin to fix. It doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem right. But his borfin just seems to go schlump every night. It schlumps in a heap, sadly needing repair. Bix figures it's due to the local night air. It takes him all day to unschlump it. And then the night air comes back and it schlumps once again. So don't you feel blue. Don't you get down in the dumps. You're lucky you don't have a borfin that schlumps. And while we're at it, consider the schlots, the crumple-horned, web-footed, green-bearded schlots, whose tail is entailed with unsolvable knots. If he isn't much more worse off than you, I'll eat my umbrella. That's just what I'll do. And you're lucky indeed you don't ride on a camel. To ride on a camel, you sit on a whammel. A whammel, you know, is a sort of a saddle, and held on by a button that's known as a faddle. And hey, boy, if your old whammel faddle gets loose, I'm telling you, ducky, you're gone like a goose. And poor Mr. Potter, T-crosser, I daughter. He has to cross T's and he has to dot I's in an I and T factory out in Van Nuys. Oh, the jobs people work at, out west near hot chotch, there's a hotch-hotcher bee-watcher. 
His job is to watch, that is to keep both his eyes on the lazy town bee. A bee that is watched will work harder, you see. Well, he watched and he watched, but in spite of his watch, that bee didn't work any harder, not much. So then somebody said, our old bee-watching man just isn't bee-watching as hard as he can. He ought to be watched by another hotch-hotcher. The thing that we need is a bee-watcher-watcher. Well, the bee-watcher-watcher watched the bee-watcher. He didn't watch well, so another hotch-hotcher had to come in as a watch-watcher-watcher. And today all the hotchers who live in Hotch Hosh are watching on Watch Watcher Watchering Watch. Watch watching the watcher who's watching that bee. You're not a Hotch Watcher. You're lucky, you see. And how fortunate you're, you're not Professor DeBreeze, who has spent the past 32 years, if you please, trying to teach Irish jocks how to read Javanese. And think of the poor puffing Pugelhorn players who have to parade down the Pugelhorn stairs every morning to wake up the Prince of Pooboken. It's awful how often their Pugels get broken. And, oh, just suppose you are poor Harry Haddo. Try as he will, he can't make any shadow. He thinks that perhaps something's wrong with his giz. And I think that, by golly, there probably is. And the brother is Bazoo, the poor brother is Bazoo. Suppose your hair grew like theirs happened to do. You think you're unlucky? I'm telling you, Ducky. Some people are muchly, oh, ever so muchly, muchly more, more, more unlucky than you. And suppose that you lived in that forest in France where the average young person just hasn't a chance to escape from the perilous pants-eating plants. But your pants are safe. You're a fortunate guy. And you ought to be shouting, How lucky am I? And speaking of plants, you should be greatly gladdish. You're not Farmer Falkenberg's 17th radish. And you're so, so lucky. You're not Gucky Gown, who lives by himself 90 miles out of town in the ruins of Ronk. Ronk is rather run down. And you're so, so, so lucky you're not a left sock left behind by mistake in the caverns of Croc. Thank goodness for all the things you're not. Thank goodness that you're not something someone forgot and left all alone in some punkerish place like a rusty tin coat hanger hanging in space. That's why I say ducky, don't grumble, don't stew. Some critters are much, much, oh, ever so much, much, so muchly, much, much more unlucky than you. Dr. Seuss's Sleep Book by Dr. Seuss. The news just came in from the county of Keck that a very small bug by the name of Van Vleck is yawning so wide you can look down his neck. This may not seem very important, I know, but it is so I'm bothering telling you so. A yawn is quite catching, you see, like a cough. It just takes one yawn to start other yawns off. Now the news has come in that some friends of Van Vleck's are yawning so wide you can look down their necks. At this moment, right now, under seven more noses, great yawns are in blossom. They're blooming like roses. 
The yawn of that one little bug is still spreading. According to latest reports, it is heading across the wide fields, through the sleepy night air, across the whole country, toward every which where. And people are gradually starting to say, I feel rather drowsy. I've had quite a day. Creatures are starting to think about rest. Two bifferbomb birds are now building their nest. They do it each night. And quite often I wonder how they do this big job without making a blunder. But that is their problem, not yours and not mine. The point is, they're going to bed, and that's fine. Sleep thoughts are spreading throughout the whole land. The time for night brushing of teeth is at hand. Up at Herkheimer Falls, where the great river rushes and crashes down crags in great gargling gushes, the Herkheimer sisters are using their brushes. Those falls are just grand for toothbrushing beneath, if you happen to be that, that way with your teeth. The news just came in from the castle of Krupp. The lights are all out and the drawbridge is up. And the old drawbridge drawer just said with a yawn, my drawbridge is drawn, it's going to stay drawn till the milkman delivers the milk about dawn. I'm going to bed now, so nobody better come round with a special delivery letter. The number of sleepers is steadily growing. Bed is where more and more people are going. In Culpeper Springs, in the Stiltwalker's Hall, the Stiltwalker stilts are all stacked on the wall. The Stiltwalker walkers have called it a day. They're all tuckered out and they're snoozing away. This is very big news. It's important to know. And that's why I'm bothering telling you so. Way out in the west, in the town of Merced, the Hinklehorn Honking Club just went to bed. Every horn has been quietly hung on a hook for the night in its own private Hinklehorn nook. All this long, happy day they've been honking about, and the Hinklehorn honkers have honked themselves out. But they'll wake up quite fresh in the morning, and then... They'll start right in Hinklehorn honking again. Everywhere creatures are falling asleep. The collapsible frink just collapsed in a heap. And by adding the frink to the others before, I'm able to give you the who's asleep score. Right now, 40,404 creatures are happily, deeply in slumber. I think you'll agree that's a whopping fine number. Counting up sleepers, just how do we do it? Really quite simple, there's nothing much to it. We find out how many, we learn the amount, by an audio telio telio count. On a mountain halfway between Reno and Rome, we have a machine in a plexiglass dome, which listens and looks into everyone's home. And whenever it sees a new sleeper go flop, it jiggles and lets a new biggle ball drop. Our chap counts these balls as they plop in a cup, and that's how we know who is down and who's up. Do you talk in your sleep? It's a wonderful sport. And I have some news of this sport to report. The world champion sleep talkers, Joe and Mo Redsoff, have just gone to sleep and they're talking their heads off. For 55 years now, each chattering brother has babbled and gabbled all night to the other. They've talked about laws and they've talked about gauze. They've talked about paws and they've talked about flaws. They've talked quite a lot about old Santa Claus. 
And the reason I'm telling you this is because you should take up this sport. It's just fine for the jaws. Do you walk in your sleep? I just had a report of some very interesting news of this popular sport. Near Finnegan Fen, there's a sleepwalking group which not only walks, but it walks a la hoop. Every night they go miles. Why they walk to such length? They have to keep eating to keep up their strength. So every so often, one puts down his hoop, stops hooping, and does some quick snooping for soup. That's why they are known as the Hoop Soup Snoop Group. Sleepwalking, too, are the curious crandles who sleepwalk on hills with assorted sized candles. The crandles walk nicely in slumbering peace, in slight of slight burns from the hot dripping grease. The crandles wear candles because they walk far, and if they wake up, want to see where they are. Now the news has arrived from the Valley of Vale that a Chippendale mutt has just bitten his tail, which he does every night before shutting his eyes. Such sniffing sounds silly, but really it's wise. He has no alarm clock. So this is the way he makes sure that he'll wake at the right time of day. His tail is so long he won't feel any pain till the nip makes the trip and gets up to his brain. In exactly the eight hours, the Chippendale Mup will at last feel the bite and yell, ouch, and wake up. A Mr. and Mrs. J. Carmichael Crocs have just gone to bed near the town of Fort Knox, and they, by the way, have the finest of clocks. I'm not at all sure that I quite, quite understand just how the thing works with that one extra hand, but I do know this clock does one very slick trick. It doesn't tick-tock. How it goes is talk-tick. So with ticks in its talker and talks in its ticker, it saves lots of times and the sleepers sleep quicker. What a fine night from sleeping. For all that I hear, it's the best night for sleeping in many a year. They're even asleep in the Zwieback Motel, and people don't usually sleep there too well. The beds are like rocks, and as everyone knows, the sheets are too short. They won't cover your toes. So, if people are actually sleeping in there, it's a great night for sleeping. It must be the air. It's a great night for snores. I just had a report of some boys who are tops in this musical sport. The snortiest snorters in all our fair land are Snorter MacPhail and a snore-a-snort band. This band can snore Dixie and Old Swanee River so loud it would make forty elephants shiver. The loudest of all the boys is MacPhail. He snores with his head in a three-gallon pail. So they snore in a cave twenty miles out of town. If they snore closer in, they would snore the town down. Do you know who's asleep out in Funa Laguna? Two very nice Funa Laguna Babuna. We've added them into our who's asleep count, which has grown to a really amazing amount. Exactly 8,808,000 creatures are sleeping now. Isn't that great? A Jed is in bed, and the bed of a Jed is the softest of beds in the world, it is said. He makes it from pom-poms, he grows on his head. And he's sleeping right now on the softest of fluff, completely exhausted from growing the stuff. The news has come in from the district of Doft that too oft are asleep and they're sleeping aloft. 
And how are they able to sleep off the ground? I'll tell you, I weighed one last week and I found that an oft is so light he weighs minus one pound. A moose is asleep. He is dreaming of moose drinks. A goose is asleep. He is dreaming of goose drinks. That's well and good when a moose dreams of moose juice, and nothing goes wrong when a goose dreams of goose juice. But it isn't too good, good when a moose and a goose start dreaming they're drinking the other one's juice. Moose juice, not juice. Goose juice is juice for a moose, and goose juice, not moose juice, is juice for a goose. So when a goose gets a mouthful of juices of mooses, and moose gets a mouthful of juices of gooses, they always fall out of their beds screaming screams. So I'm warning you now, never drink in your dreams. Speaking of dreaming, I think you should note that the Bumbletub Club is now dreaming afloat. Every night they go dreaming down Bumbletub Creek, except for one night every third or fourth week when they stop for repairs because their bumble tubs leak. But tonight they're afloat full of dreams, full of bliss, and that's why I'm bothering telling you this. At the fork of a road in the Vale of Vavode, five foot-weary salesmen have laid down their load. All day they've rest round in the heat at top speeds, unsuccessfully trying to sell zizzerzoo seeds, which nobody wants because nobody needs. Tomorrow will come, they'll go back to their chore. They'll start on the road, zizzer zoofing once more. But tonight they've forgotten their feet are so sore, and that's what the wonderful nighttime is for. Everywhere creatures have shut off their voices. They've all gone to bed in the beds of their choices. They're sleeping in bushes, they're sleeping in crannies, some on their stomachs and some on their fannies. They're peacefully sleeping in comfortable holes, some even on soft tufted barbershop poles. The number of sleepers is now past the millions. The number of sleepers is now in the billions. They're sleeping on steps and on strings and on floors, in mailboxes, ships, and the keyholes of doors. Every worm on a fish hook is safe for the night. Every fish in the sea is too sleepy to bite. Every whale in the ocean has turned off his spout. Every light between here and far foodle is out. And now, adding things up, we are way beyond billions. Our who's asleep score is now up in the zillions. Ninety-nine zillion, nine trillion and two creatures are sleeping. So, how about you? When you put out your light, then the number will be ninety-nine zillion nine trillion and three.